welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Welcome to River Valley Church, and uh, it's a joy today to uh, have Kirk Cousins with us. In just a moment, I'll have him come up on the platform. We can welcome him in good River Valley fashion, but um, we have him here for uh, several reasons. I mean, obviously, he's our quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, and yes, yep. a couple people starting the skull chant. Let's hold it down. All right, yeah. All right. Yeah. No. And uh, I see a lot of purple, by the way. And I'm wondering, in my mind, which campus has the most purple right now? But anyways, uh, we also have him here because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. And he's an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I- I'm praying that this time together, he'll let us in on a few insights. We'll get to know him a little better. And also... Uh, the name of Jesus will be lifted up. So uh, can you welcome with me Kirk Cousins to River Valley Church? Thank you. Hey man, so glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, good. Quite a welcome. You know how to worship and you know how to welcome. Yes. That's pretty good. And they know how to scold, but don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Oh man, it's great to have you here. It's uh it's a joy that you picked Minnesota. We were, you know, I think we were interceding for you to come here. Well, the, the feelings are mutual. We're thrilled to be here and uh uh you know, we we just feel like like the Lord led us here and uh, it's been a great first year. Awesome. Now, uh we just have to start with this. You have a big announcement that just happened to your family. Big announcement. You want to We have share? a we have a 1 month old now who was just born in early March. So there he is. There's Turner, Turner Moses Cousins, and uh, uh, we have an 18-month-old Cooper Wesley, and and the one-month-old. And so, as Julie and I say, we're playing man-to-man defense right now. So I've that's now, all we did. We just did man-to-man. My wife right. said there is no zone defense. You know, that's right? Uh, so the double-decker stroller there. I'm learning what that's all about. Is it one you could run with? You know, uh, you could run with it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We want to see it. All right. Hey, now I know family is important to you. Um, how is becoming a dad, and now second-time dad, how has that changed your life? Well, you know, coming home from work, the day's not over. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I used to pretty much be done and veg out on the couch at that point and recharge the batteries, but now I'm helping with bath time and with feeding the boys and, you know, doing what I need to do to help out. And um, I'm actually thankful I get to go to work every day to catch my breath at work. <laughs> and I feel sorry that my wife has to stay home all day and, and work, you know, to take care of them. So... Uh, I guess not only do you see what fatherhood is like, but you see what your wife and her role as a mother and how God has wired her to be just a natural nurturer and just so good 
at relating to those two boys, and you get to see her in a whole new way that is a, a thrill to see. Yeah, Mother's Day is coming up. You're going to have a chance to prove that. That's right. To her. All right. <laughs> hey, um, now, just real quick, how did you meet her? How did you meet your wife? We have a very unique story. It's really a God thing. But at the last uh, college football game of my career, uh, Michigan State, where I played, played Georgia. My wife went to Georgia. And uh, uh, a couple months before that game, we had a family friend who, who knew both of our moms, but our families did not know each other. And she said, the Lord put it on my heart that they need to meet. And we blew it off. We thought there's no chance we'll meet. She's in Athens, Georgia. I'm in East Lansing, Michigan. Well, as the Lord would have it, uh, both of our schools lost uh, our last game of the regular season, which then caused us to play each other. Well, then after that bowl game, Michigan State playing Georgia, I met my now wife outside the stadium. She caught my eye. I followed up. We kept in touch, started dating, and and here we are now. But uh, you realize, looking back, that it was one person listening and responding to the voice of God. That has now led to uh, my being married to my wife. And so I, I just had dinner with that person a few weeks ago, and I just said, thank you. Thank you for having a prayer life. Thank you for setting aside time to listen to what God has to say to you. I have a wife and two kids uh, because of that. So you never really know when you have that quiet time in the morning and you open your Bible and say, Lord, speak to me, and you quiet your heart. You never know what he's going to say. Yeah. And you never know if a loss will lead to a win. Well said. You know. Well said. So say. Oh, no, we. You know. And that was a great lesson for us. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. That's what the Bible you know, says. And that was one of my toughest losses in college. And I walked away from that game saying, "Why, Lord? Why to bring me this close just to drop me? Why?" And uh, he said, "You know, just be quiet, Kirk. I got this. I got this." And uh, he provided certainly. All right. If you weren't in the NFL, what would you be? Have you thought about what the alternative? That's a great question. Yeah. I haven't thought of that in a while. Um, when I was in college, my desire was to study medicine and maybe go to medical school. My, we have, uh, I have two siblings. There's three of us. My mom was a nurse, and she wanted all of us to become doctors. Okay. She went one for three. My sister's a physician. So we got one. But uh, sure. I ended up, you know, halfway through school. I got through organic chemistry, but then I said, you know, at this point, I'm staring down more organic chemistry or more football. I'm going to choose more football. <laughs> so that's the direction I went. And, uh, and since playing football, I've really developed a passion for business. And so I think maybe that's where my heart will go after playing, but uh, who knows, it may be ministry. I'll, I'll keep my heart open and see where the Lord leads us. Perfect. Now, you grew up in a preacher's home, and, uh, you know, I, I love that you love Jesus. I mean, I have two preacher's kids of my own, and I'm like, I want them to serve Jesus. And uh, so talk about growing up in the preacher's home, and then how did it go from preacher's home to finding Jesus? Sure. So, when your dad's a pastor, you're going to be presented the gospel at a very young age. And so I remember being seven or eight years old and in the back of the church before the service. And my dad explained that, you know, we're going to take communion today at some point in the service. And I want to explain to you what that means and, and ask you if, if, you know, you're at a place right now where you're willing to accept Jesus into your heart and, you know, really understand what it means to say that I'm a sinner and, and Christ died to save me from my sins and have a relationship with me. And so I prayed that prayer. But at seven years old, your concept of that is very different than when you're 17. Right. And so I felt like while I, I considered myself a Christian, and I was a Christian, uh, in high school, I had a Bible teacher named Ray Vanderlaan who um, really taught me what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, uh, to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, so that when culture goes this way and Jesus goes this way, uh, you got to make a decision. Which way am I going? And, um, and it was in high school where Ray really challenged me to say, you know, 1 John 2, 6 says, those who claim to be in him must walk as he walked. And he would say, how does your walk look? Does it look anything like the rabbi Jesus? And so um, at that moment, I, I put my stake in the ground and I said, you know, I'm going to, even when it gets uncomfortable, even when it, when it 
uh, might go against the grain, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand with Jesus. And so I made that decision. And it was timely because then I ended up going to a, a very secular school in Michigan State. And uh, there were all kinds of social pressures while I was there. And grateful for that foundation that my family and, and my schooling provided me such that I was able to you know, walk with God through those five years of college. Yeah, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything, but um, did you did you always walk with God? Like, was there a slipping in there at all? Well, I, you know, I'll be the first one to stand up and say that, uh, you know, I screw up every day. Um, I think that, you know, for the most part, it has been a steady walk, but it has been a roller coaster journey. And I think the two places where the Lord has, has, has worked on me um, is, one, there's a, a fear or a lack of faith that time and again the Lord has had to cause my life circumstances to put me in a position where I have to trust him. Yeah. And he, he does not give me three steps down the road. He gives me just enough for the next step, sometimes not even that, so that I have to trust him. And I believe it's because I have this, this fear or this lack of faith that he wants to, to work out in me so that my faith muscle gets stronger. And I think the number one reason he's chosen for my journey to, be, uh, to play in the NFL is that I would have to stay close to him. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, secondly, I think with that, many times, and I alluded to it with losing that football game, is there can be at times in me a complaining spirit of, you know, Lord, um, why have you not done more? You know, I think you should do more. And, and, and I, I think the Lord has tried to work that out in me such that I recognize that, can repent of that, and grow in that to a heart of not only faith, but contentment in him. And so those are two areas that I think to this day, even if you look at last football season, I walk away, you know, somewhat complaining through the month of January of the way it went and, and somewhat of a frustration or a lack of faith or a fear of what's next. And so, um, you know, the Lord is, I think, working in me and my spirit as I even go through this past season and, and then the, the ramifications from that. Yeah. Now, did you always want to be a quarterback? I mean, did, was, did you see that future? Like, I'm going to be the, I'm going to throw the touchdown yeah. in the Super Bowl. No, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I was the quarterback at recess in first grade. Uh, so, you know, when people say, when did you know? I say, well, when you go out to the playground at seven or eight years old and, you know, everybody should want to be quarterback, but the other kids are saying, no, Kirk, you're the quarterback. I'll, I'll play another position. You got it. Uh, it said something about, you know, maybe this is a wiring for me. Maybe the Lord has just given me some natural wiring where, where that's where I, I, I come alive and where he's anointed me. But at the same time, um, I was not a big recruit. I had heard all the stories of 1% of 1% make the NFL. And so my expectation was just at some point it's going to end. That's just the, the statistics say I'm a math guy. I'm an analytical guy. And I said the math just says at some point it's going to end for me, right. uh, probably earlier than I wanted to. So I always had this backup plan. And at halfway through college, I said, you know, if I'm going to go after this thing, and if I find that when I'm on the football field, the Lord keeps showing up, maybe I should go all in on that and see what he wants to do. And so I made that decision about halfway through college that I'm going to, I'm going to really go, you know, double down on football and see how far the Lord's taken it. And he has taken it so much farther than I ever thought. And, you know, Ephesians 3.20 comes to mind, which says, you know, and now to him who can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Um, he has done that in my football career, done that in my life. But uh, I still find myself crying out saying, Lord, I need you to do more. Yeah. Like a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Awesome. I just, I, I mean, if we're going to pray, we might as well pray big, right? Amen. Pray big. I, I, I believe the Lord is going to bring a Super Bowl championship to this fan base, to this state, to the Vikings. See, I, I look forward to you saying, I want to thank my Lord and Savior. Right. You know, I, I, you know. Well, if for no other reason, he's going to bring it because our fans deserve it. I'll tell you that. But uh, I sure would love to be the quarterback when it happens. We would love that. 
Uh, so what would you say real quick to any parents that like they want their kids to do that? They're, would you yeah. any guidance you'd say like don't push them or push them or what? Yeah, well, you know, the Bible, I'd go straight to Scripture with anything. And so when it comes to parenting, I go to the book. What does the book say? And, and you know, it says uh, train up a child in the way they should go. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a parent's job to observe their child's natural bent, observe how God has wired them, and then say, where should I steer them? And, and, and I think you do need to play a role in, in push, maybe a strong word, but in pushing them towards their natural bent. Now, that may not be the activities that you enjoy. Yeah. I just talked to a pastor uh, at a church in Orlando who said he was a huge basketball fan. He's up here for the Final Four. But he said, my son really likes fencing. So guess what? I'm driving him to fencing lessons. And I have no idea what fencing is, is like or what it is about. But guess what? I'm 100% in on fencing now. And so as a parent, I'm excited to see my two boys, Cooper and Turner. What are they wired to do? What is God leading them to do? And then get behind that and say, I want to give you the resources to be able to do that and to have a passion and a mission and a calling in life. And, you know, maybe it's football, maybe it's not. But I think I have to put my biases on the, sh- on the shelf and, and allow God to lead in, in how he's wired them. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've discovered ultimate Frisbee and other things <laughs> that I didn't know. They were into it. Right. I was into it. Amen. You know. All right, so you picked Minnesota, and um, you, you're here. I mean, everybody says it was the contract, but what other things— were there that made you say, I'm coming to this state, to this team? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, you know, you pray and you allow the Lord to lead. And, and we felt, much like with my college decision, we felt a peace about coming here. We just didn't feel unrest in our spirit. And, and quite frankly, the other options, there was a little bit of unrest. It didn't feel right. Uh, it's not the case with coming here. And then, um, you know, I was always told in getting into football a little bit that, you know, the owner— the general manager, the head coach, and the quarterback have to be on the same page. And if those four people are on the same page, you've got a chance to win a Super Bowl. If those four people aren't on the same page, it's going to be really tough to win a Super Bowl and to win consistently. And I, in meeting the ownership, in meeting the general manager, Rick Spielman, Coach Zimmer, I was blown away. And I said, this is about as same page as you can get in the NFL. And, so, and that's proven true now after 12 months of being here. And so I believe um, the pieces are in place. Now, we have to go out in the field and win. And we didn't do that enough this past fall. But uh, as far as the people, the talent, the decision makers, the culture, just a healthy organization, it's all there. And uh, we've got to now go get the W's. That's great. Now, um, you, you came in there, you saw all those pieces. And then what's the piece you thought you could bring as a leader? Well, what was interesting was it was a team that had, that had had so much success the year before, and there were many, many household names. And yet the, the, the word I got back from much of the locker room was, hey, we need you to step up and be a vocal leader. You know, and I, I thought, well, you've had so much success. You know, I don't want to be a new guy coming in saying, hey, this is how it should be, when really you guys know how it should be. I just kind of want to shrink back and just be a part of the success you've had. And they said, no, we need you to step out. And so there was a little bit of a leadership vacuum, if you will, that I, I felt maybe I should step in and help fill. But boy, I'll tell you what, it's an easy locker room to lead because these guys are uh, attentive. They're hard workers. They care about one another. Uh, not a lot of big egos around the locker room, which is in the NFL world is pretty rare. And so um, it's been a thrill to get to know those guys and, and battle alongside them. And and again, I just want to, you know, put up good performances so I can look those guys in the eye every week and know that, you know, I'm playing at a high level. Now, on draft day coming up, will you call the coach and say, protect me? You know, like, will you say that? Or... My mom might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I offer input from time to time and share my thoughts, but it's always with a respect level of at the end of the day, you are the ones making the call. You are the ones who are watching the tape year round and really understand it. I'll give you my thoughts if it helps have more information, but ultimately... 
You know, they make the decisions and then it's my job to help develop who they bring in, you know, and spend time getting to know these guys after practice, working on routes, talking about how they can help and fill a role. And then also after practice saying, come over to the house, let's get to know each other, let's spend time together. You know, you want to come to Bible study, come meet the chaplain. And so there's development that I can help with both on the field and off the field that I think can bring our team together. That's great. Now, um, you alluded earlier, you said it didn't turn out the way we wanted and the season. Um, how do you handle the criticism? Because, you know, you get criticized by fans that love you one day and then next week it's crucified. I mean, yeah, it's right. like, you know, and then in yeah. Arizona and New York Jets, I'm guessing they don't like you a lot either. We <laughs> love you, but they, you know, well, how do you handle that? Well, I first need to say there are a lot of perks to be an NFL quarterback. So while people may talk about the criticism, you got to take the, the bad with the good, too. Okay, there's a lot of positives. And so I try to focus on all the positives that come from the position I'm in, too. And yes, if it does mean there are high expectations and there's some criticism, hey, that's part of the territory. But uh, try not to read it. Inevitably, you're going to see it. Um, and then it gives you a great opportunity to work out your faith journey, right? I mean, to extend grace to people, knowing that I've received so much grace. Let me extend that to people who may not like me too much. And, and to just have patience and to say, you know what, this, the, the, the chapter or the book has not been written on my career with the Vikings. You know, maybe one chapter has, but the book hasn't. Right. And let's, let's keep writing some more chapters and see where this thing goes and see where the book ends when it's all said and done. And I'm, I'm hungry to write the next chapter here and to see where it leads. And so, uh, I think there's some patience there and, and allowing the Lord to work because we do believe he's led us here for a reason. We don't know quite yet what the entire reason is, but uh, we're going to keep trusting him and see what's next. Well, I, I agree with all that. And one thing I'm just in awe of, we just met before this um, about how humble and approachable you are. And talk about that. I mean, you're an NFL quarterback. You know, you talk about the, the locker room. There could be a lot of egos in there. You've got a, a giant contract, you're on a big stage, and yet you're so humble and approachable. How does that happen? You know, again, you go back to the book. You know, God gives grace to the humble, he opposes the proud. Yes. Uh, I don't want God opposing me. And uh, <laughs> it says in, in Second Chronicles 16, 9... <laughs> The Packers are tough enough. You yeah, know, right. Oh, God. I got yeah. enough, I got oh, enough seriously. trouble. Seriously. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. I don't know about you. I would like God's strong support in my life, in my family's life, in my children's life, in my marriage, in my football career. And without it, I'm not going anywhere. And so uh, the key with that is I have to have a heart that is fully committed to him. And, uh, and in that, I believe there's obviously humility. And so, uh, yeah, I try to, you know, be the, be, be the best I can, but he's going to work on me. And believe me, whenever I've had a prideful moment, he knocks me down pretty quick and he says, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not going there. And so, if he doesn't, your wife, yeah, I got him. Then, I got know. my wife, I got my dad, my brother. I got plenty of pieces in place that I call them really big people. You know, as you move up in life and you start to, you know, be somebody, if you will, the world tells you you're somebody, people around you start to shrink back because they start to view you as maybe bigger and they don't want to maybe step on toes or call you out. And so it can be create a bit of a monster scenario where the more powerful you get, the less coaching you have around you. And so my dad and my brother and my wife have said, you know, we're going to be really big people in your life. And as maybe things go better for you, we're not going to back down. Uh, we're going to make sure that, you know, you're still having people that stay on top of you. And so that's also helped. That's perfect. Now, um, 
you, you, you're unashamed about your faith, but also about your generosity. Um, that's something that you talk about. You know, uh, I watched you do another video. You said, hey, my contract's out there. Everybody saw it. Yeah. And I'm going to talk to you about being generous. Can you just maybe for a minute or two just talk about being generous with your resources? Sure. Well, you know, Luke 12, 48, Jesus says to whom, you know, uh, much has been given, much is required. And to those who have been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Uh, I believe I'm going to stand before a holy God someday. And uh, first he's going to ask me if I've made Jesus the, the Lord and Savior of my life. I'll say that I have. But then he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And I'm going to say, Lord, you gave me a lot. And uh, i got to do a lot with that between now and then. And I just feel that uh, stewardship is a big thing that Julie and I wrestle with. Sure. Okay, every purchase, every decision, the way we handle money, uh, we feel convicted time and again of, was, was that the right choice? Was that God honoring? Was there wisdom in that? And to be honest, I don't think we bat a thousand on that. Um, but that being said, we want to be, you know, having guardrails up where maybe we, we drift left or right, but it keeps pushing us back to, to being right with him. And so uh, that's something we work on. And we say, you know, if our giving isn't stretching us or making us uncomfortable, we're probably not giving enough. And wow. so we want to give to a level that we go, boy, even at the salary that we have and the place we're at, this, this hurts a little bit to give that much. Um, we think when we do that, that then gives room for God to show up. And, uh, and so we do want to make our giving uncomfortable. And while the numbers may be different for people, the percentages may be different, again, I would challenge you, if your giving's not uncomfortable, maybe you're not giving quite enough. And so, you know, I want to be in that position where, again, I have to choose faith over fear. Yeah, that's, I, I saw you talk about you're hoping that your giving can continue to go up throughout your whole life, right. even though your career will have an end date yes. and, and the money changes. You're yes. like, I still want to give more. Mm-hmm. And I pray you do that. I yeah, pray yeah. that you're able to be yeah. generous towards the things of God. Now, your faith is not secret. You lead with that. I mean, everybody has known that you're a man of faith. Um, how is it being in the NFL, being a man of faith? Well, one interesting fact from behind the curtain of the NFL, and maybe it's just the game of football, but it's such a challenging game that so many of the principles of a, of a Christian life, if you read the Bible, the, the fruits of the Spirit, they make you a great football player. And so the fact of the matter is that the NFL is kind of the last stop on a football journey. And so, so many people have kind of disqualified themselves on the journey to get to the NFL because of poor decisions or a lack of a work ethic or not developing the talent they have for whatever reason— that many of the Christians are the ones left standing. Sure. And so I've seen, you know, time and again, it's actually a, a large number of Christians in the NFL uh, because it is such a demanding sport. And it, without the Lord there and, and leading you through every day, it's, it's hard to make it. And so uh, we do have a great uh, group of, of guys in our locker room. Uh, C.J. Ham attends here. And, uh, and he also is, is a, a man standing for yep. the Lord. And yep. we have a, uh, a prayer time Wednesday morning, which Wednesday is the start of our work week. You know, we kind of finish our work week Sunday night, uh, start prepping on Monday a little bit and recovering from the game. Tuesday's our off day, our one off day, and then Wednesday we start the next week. So Wednesday morning we have a prayer time in the morning with our chaplain and a handful of guys where we pray for the coming week. Thursday after practice we have a Bible study right there at the facility with the group of guys. And then uh, Saturday night we have team chapel, which is very much like a church service. And then uh, Sunday morning, in the, sh- in the shower of the locker room, right before we run out for the game, we all get together with anybody who wants to. We hold hands and we pray. And uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, you've heard the phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes. There's not a lot of people who are unwilling to pray 15 minutes before kickoff of an sure. NFL game. So, Collisions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the 7 a.m. prayer time on Wednesday may not be heavily attended, but the... Uh, 
11.55 a.m. prayer time in the shower at U.S. Bank Stadium has pretty good attendance. Now, now I need to put a plug in. I, I get to do the chapels for the visiting teams. That's great. So, and I hate it when I pray for them and then they win. <laughs> so if you could bring me in. Yeah, we I'm, just no, trust God's sovereign on that. <laughs> so, we do I mean, need to bring you in, though. I would love it. Uh, so how do you stand out with your teammates? Like, you know, you could say, hey, I just shined for Jesus and I have a bumper sticker or something, you know, yeah, but right. like, how do you let them, how does it go deeper beyond sure. we read that you're a Christian, sure. you're a Christian to your coworkers? Well, first of all, I believe you got to be the real deal. Uh, teammates are going to see who you really are. You know, other teams may not, people following the team may not. There's a lot of fakes out there. Uh, your teammates know. And so when I'm done playing, what I want my teammates to say about me, even more than he was a great quarterback, is that the guy was who he said he was. He was the real deal, and he was a great teammate. Uh, if I don't have that said about me by teammates, I failed. Yeah. Um, and so that's first and foremost. You've got to walk the walk. And it goes back to 1 John 2, 6. Those who claim to be in him must walk as he walked. Right. Jesus was perfect. That's a hard, hard thing to do. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to walk as Jesus walked. Um, and in doing that, trust that it will, it will be a blessing to those around me. Now, with that... You know, I, I do believe you have to take it further than that. And so um, at times, you know, I'll put the invite in people's lockers, you know, print out a little flyer. Hey, Bible studies today at this time. Hopefully you can make it. Put that in everybody's locker. Get the word out. Send a group text. But, you know, sometimes you take it beyond that. And you have to walk across the locker room, look eye to eye with somebody and say, hey, I really think you should be at Bible study today. I think it would be a blessing to you. Would you come? And believe me, that's awkward. Yeah. That can be uncomfortable. And I think we all have those settings in school, in our workplace, where... To walk across the room, over to the cubicle, and change the subject from, you know, the sports game going on or the weather and say, hey, how are you doing in your walk with God? Where are you on that journey? Uh, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? Let's, let's take it a step further here in the relationship. It's not easy to do, and that's something I'm wrestling with. And I think now another year here with the Vikings enables me to maybe take those steps even further. And I would like to be bolder in my faith this spring. We start in one week. We start April, Monday, April 15th. Wow. You know, I'm praying that I'd be a little bolder and take those steps too. Yeah, and there's a, a group of Christians that are there, though. I've oh, yeah. heard from all sorts of people oh, that yeah. there's a, a camaraderie. And that's key, right? I, I think God always provides a remnant. And when you read Scripture, you see that God always provides a remnant of believers. And that's certainly the case with the Vikings. We have a good core group of four or five guys that are rock solid, that are wanting to be you know, phenomenal husbands, phenomenal uh, parents to their kids. They're wanting to give and serve and be a part of a local church. And uh, they're willing to get up early and be a part of what our, our chaplain's doing. And so, um, you know, we stand together, we pray for one another, and then we try to grow that and, and get more guys involved. Any advice you'd say to people, their arena is different. And that's what we called this day, like in the arena. Yeah. They're different. They may work at, at 3M or Target, Best yeah. Buy, fill in the blank, the public school. And, and they're trying to figure out, what do I do? Just what would you yeah. speak to them about courage or sure? Being bold? Well, you have to be bold, right? There is some level of having courage and trusting that if I step out and I do make this statement that might feel uncomfortable or that I put it out there, I have to trust that the Lord is in this and that He's going to provide and that He's going to use it for for His glory and for our good and He's going to have a purpose with it. So there's a faith element there, and uh, you know I just continue to believe that the Lord is is going to provide and that He's going to honor that. First uh, Samuel two thirty it says, you know, those who honor me, I will honor. And, uh, and so that's a promise, and you can take that with you as you go into those moments and you, and you put that out there. And, uh, I, you know, I will caution, though, too, and say, you know, I've had some people um, who have been so heavenly-minded that they were no earthly good, right. if that makes sense. And so you, you want to be in a, such a way that they say, you know, 
that cousin's guy, yeah, he was my teammate. Yeah, you know, he talked about Jesus. Yeah, he put the Bible study invite in my locker, but he's a pretty good quarterback too. Right. And uh, I could talk football with him, and he's a normal guy, and I enjoyed hanging out at his house, and I enjoyed being around his family. And even if I never took that step to cross the line to faith, um, I still found him to be a great teammate and a great guy, and he wasn't just kind of this weirdo over there that kind of drove us all nuts. Yeah. And so I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place for being heavenly-minded, but, but being, having an earthly good here and trying to reach people on their turf. So I would, I would also you know, caution you with that, that if you just go over there and hit them over the head with, with the Bible and with Jesus, at times it, it can be off-putting. And so you want to do it in a way that has some relational moxie and, and is well-received. Yeah, for you, it's, it, you know, you're saying it's wins and on-field performance and, and doing your best. For others, it's being that employee that works for God, not for man. Amen. And um, I appreciate everything you've shared now. And I asked him beforehand um, if he'd be willing to pray for us at the end of the service. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we have people up here, you wonder like, hey, how deep is your faith? Where is it at? And he said, man, I want to pray. I want to do this. I want to do the closing prayer for all the campuses. And uh, I'd love to just ask this question. Um, first of all, can we show our appreciation for Kirk being here? Thank you. I mean, he's amazing. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Good. All right. We only have a couple minutes. We, hold on. I think, I think you might have converted, you might have converted a few Packer fans right now. I don't know. Maybe, but all right. I know. I know. Some things need prayer and fasting. All right. But, um, no. All right. Here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. Wherever you're at, um, we're glad that you're here and you came to one of our campuses to hear about how God has used his life and will continue to use his life. Kirk, I believe God's going to use the seeds that you planted, that you're going to have teammates that will call you years from now that are going to say, hey, I saw in you something that makes me want to call you and talk to you. I believe that your ministry is going to go way beyond. And uh, today he's going to pray for us. And we just agreed to this one thought before we end the service, just to take one step closer to God. Um, I don't know where you're at. Um, maybe you're saying, I need to take one step closer. You haven't been to church in ages, but coming today because he was speaking, you came for the first time. Maybe your one step closer to God is come back again. You know, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take another step. And I realize that they, they accepted me here. They welcomed me. I was, they were kind and God touched me. For others, it might be, I want to take one step closer. You need to serve. You need to give. You need to say, whatever it is. You say, I want to take one step closer to God. And if that's you, before he prays for that, if you, here and at all of our campuses, if you say, you know what, I just want to take one step closer to God, you don't have to say what it is, but you'd, you'd raise a hand and say, pray for me, Kirk, I, I want to take one step closer to God. Go ahead, raise your hand all across the place. Yeah, unashamed, you're saying, one step closer to God. And uh, I'd love for you to pray for us, just yeah. to take one step closer just to God. bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this group of people. I thank you for River Valley and for the ministry they've been and, and the, the, the faithfulness they've had for so many years now. And, and Lord, how you have elevated them in this city and this community such that they've had an impact and you have been glorified through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Lord, I just pray now for the people under the sound of my voice uh, that you would uh, stir in their hearts to take one step closer to you, that you would challenge them, Lord. We're all in different places in our faith journey. Some have walked with you for years and are very, very close to you. Some have not even taken that step of faith. But wherever we are on that journey, Lord, I pray that you would uh, move us closer to you, Lord, that you would stir in our hearts, convict us, challenge us, 
such that we each, in leaving tonight, uh, have an understanding of a way that we can take one step closer to you, walk closer with you, have a relationship with you that is deeper than it was when we came in, and that we would hear your voice and respond to your voice as we go into this next week living our lives out uh, for your glory. And so, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this ministry, for this worship, uh, for the welcome they gave me, Lord. It's incredible. Thank you for their hearts and for your spirit moving in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.